0: Well, hey there. So, um, here we are for Season 2. This is the first episode. It's actually the second episode, but it's the first one by itself, so we'll call it. This week I wanted to talk about the subject of hope. Maybe we can figure out what it actually is instead of what we've sort of come to think that it is. A lot of people mix up faith. And hope. And so I wanted to see if we could figure out what the Bible says about that. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church and he says that hope is like earnestly expecting something. What that means to us is, is that A hope is a kind of like a goal. It's sort of like like it says in Psalms 39, uh, verse 7. He says, And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. So God is our hope. Our faith is a result of what it is that we're looking forward to. And that's what hope is. It's it's that goal. It's that thing out in front of us that we can't see yet. Our faith is much more solid than hope. Hope is sort of like the blueprint, but faith is when that blueprint is being built. We can see the evidence. We can see the things that are starting to happen. And I know a lot of people say, well, no, faith is blind or whatever, but that's really not the biblical definition of that. None of those things is actually blind. You don't have blind hope and you don't have blind faith. Other than when you're believing in God, sometimes you can't see how it's going to turn out. And in that case, I suppose you could say blind faith because you're having faith in God, not knowing what it's going to look like. And that's not a bad place to be. That's a good place to be. And that's kind of what Paul was talking about in Romans 5 when he says we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience works hope. And hope does not make us ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I'll just clear that up real quick. When it talks about due time, basically what it's saying in the Greek is at that time or at the right time. And so basically what that verse is telling us is that our experiences from the past, seeing what God did, that will give us hope for what's going to happen in the future. And that is going to feed, and strengthen, and give substance to our faith. And we talked last week a little bit about Abraham. And in Romans 4, Paul talks about Abraham and says that Abraham against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which is spoken because he had hope, it says, that God would do what God said he would do. And that gave his faith direction. So he was strong in faith, it says, giving glory to God, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform or else he could do what he said he was going to do. And lastly, let's just point out that in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that faith, hope, and charity abide or that they live, they reside, or are at home in their proper place and position. Hope is all part of this nature of God. We have faith, we have hope, and we have charity. And of course, it says that the greatest of these is charity, which is love and concern for another person. So, What we can see from these verses is that hope is like a goal. It's that point that you can see in your mind where you want to get to, and it is the beginning of faith. Like an artist who begins a project, that you usually begin with an idea in your mind of what you're doing is going to look like when it's done. But at the moment, it's just an idea. So when an artist begins to sketch or work with the image trying this and that, and he's experimenting to see what works in this process to accomplish the goal. But many times the goal or the hope will evolve as you go through that process. The hope changes sometimes in small ways, but eventually it begins to take shape and solidify into something that other people can see. And so now the artist has brought this thing into a rough shape that looks a lot like where he wants it to end up. And he can see what the goal is and he can see how he's going to get from here to there. And this is kind of like what hope is. Knowing that the goal that we have in mind is the same goal that God the Father has, that gives us confidence that the goal can and will be met. And that strengthens our faith. So then the Father is instructing us and guiding us along the way, helping us to refine the goal in our mind. He's teaching us. He's leading us along the way. And ultimately, then we can release that goal into His hands as we have grown into our faith. Our confidence in the goal and in God then allows us to rest in this knowledge that it's not our effort Or work that's going to accomplish it but it is his hope is being fulfilled in and for us and and then we have crossed over into that realm of faith that we talked about last week and now we can know it's inevitable it's gonna happen no matter what happens it's gonna happen the way God wants it to happen because we've seen the goal and we've done our part and now we put it in his hands He's the one now doing the work, and we follow him, and we respond to him. I hope that all makes sense. You know where I'm at if you want to talk about it or discuss it. Um, Email works really good because then that way we can write and talk as long as we want without being limited, like, like on Twitter when you've only got 180 characters or whatever it is. All right, so moving on to the next part of the program. So for the next part of this, I got a question from my friend Shane, and Shane's question is talking about the scripture in 1 Samuel 16, 15, and it says, Saul's servants said, behold, an evil spirit from God troubles you. And so then Shane asks, what does this mean when he says, an evil spirit of the Lord? So in this case, what we need to do is back up one verse. And it says in 1 Samuel 16:14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So right off the bat, we can see that there's something we're missing because that seems like a complete contradiction. I'm mostly guessing here, but what makes sense to me is like what we talked about a few weeks ago about judgment. Saul was being judged because he had disobeyed God. And so in that context, if God judged him and said, judgment is going to come upon you because you disobeyed me, and, you know, there wasn't... There wasn't salvation back then like we talked about. Jesus hadn't come, Jesus hadn't died, risen from the dead. There was no salvation for people until Jesus came. And so for Saul, especially as the king of Israel, and this is the same thing that we see later on, we see in Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is judged for making himself out to be God And if you remember the story, Nebuchadnezzar lost the ability to rule for a while and just became like an animal. And so in this way, this is the context that helps me to understand this quote-unquote evil spirit from God, that it's part of judgment and it's part of the consequence of Saul being disobedient to God. He had a responsibility to take care of God's people. He had been given the ability to take care of God's people. He'd been anointed by God to take care of God's people, and Saul disobeyed that, and he brought upon himself this judgment, and that's probably how I understand the use of the word Jehovah showing up and that it was an evil spirit from God. We know from studying the rest of the Bible that God is always good and God never does evil. And so we can understand that there are other forces at work in these verses. Another area to think about here, Satan specifically is never mentioned in the Old Testament except in Job. One time in the life of David, one time in Psalms, and one time in the prophecy of Zechariah. That's the only time Satan is actually mentioned. And what I have been told is, is that the idea of God being in control existed even back in those times, and so they would blame everything on God, the good and the bad. But we know that that's not the case because that would make God insane. In Exodus 7, the verses says in verse 3, it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. So when you read that, if you look it up in the Strong's Dictionary, the, the words I will are not actually present in the literal translation. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, and so it's possible that someone will say, and maybe they're right, that the I will is inferred there somehow. But if you read it literally, it simply states that Pharaoh's heart is hardened, not that God hardened his heart. And then it says that God is going to use this, this hardening of his heart, to demonstrate his power. So the main thing about all of these kinds of verses, we get in trouble when we start reading the Bible in terms of this verse says that, and so it must be true. It's sort of like the whole thing in Job where Job says, God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That is not an accurate description of God. You can read in the book of Job where it even says near the end there where God says, your friends have not spoken about me in the right way. And he actually told them, Go have Job pray for you because you don't know what you're talking about. If we were to read those verses and just say, Okay, well, see, it's in the Bible. And this is the way a lot of people have gotten confused over the years. People say, Well, it's in the Bible. It says this. Well, yeah, it says a lot of things. It says that a person chopped up his servant, it says he chopped her up and sent the different pieces to all the different tribes in Israel, that doesn't mean chopping up your concubine is a good idea. So, when we're reading Scripture, we have to understand that we are reading it through this lens of what the translators understood, and we're reading it through this lens of the cultures of the time. And, I mean, And this is the argument that a lot of people make, well, you can't trust the Bible. That's not true. That's not right. It's not that you can't trust it. It's that you have to be discerning. You have to recognize that there are these areas that appear to contradict. But since we know that God is not contradictory, we can know that the problem is not with the Bible and it's not with God. It's with our understanding of it. And that helps us to be able to learn and grow in those areas. Now, I mean, if if you don't have faith, don't have trust in Scripture, it's easy to say, well, why should I trust that? Because it, it's contradictory. And if you want to just dismiss it, you know, I understand that. But if you're reading a contract that a lawyer wrote, you recognize in that contract that there are things here that... I don't really understand what this means. And you can recognize that, and you can move forward finding a lawyer that does understand it. In the exact same way, and literally the Bible is a contract with us that God has sent to us. That's why it's called a testament. We can learn what is actually meant in these verses. I've heard uh, several people have talked about this and done r- a really good job of talking about it. One of them is Alyssa Childers. She has a podcast that would be a great place to go to find out what they've done a lot of work in theology and in understanding what the scriptures mean. And no, she and I don't agree on everything, but she has some really good insights and she brings some really good guests onto her podcast. That's, that would be a really good place to start. All right. So if you have any more questions on this or if you have some evidence to show me that I'm wrong, I'd love to see it. I'd love to have that discussion. We can have that discussion. And as I said before, email is probably the best way just because we can write back and forth and discuss it. All right, I want to share with you another song from Apologetics. I just love those guys. This one you're going to recognize as coming from Judas Priest, but they put a whole new slant to the idea. Rock and roll.
1: They're right, each has a talking head And if they listen once it'll be so accident Power is a portion even to the bad. The king of heaven knows all that. You got another king coming. You got another king coming. You got another king coming. You got another king coming.
0: all right so that's the podcast for this week i'll see y'all next week take it easy